Welcome to Season 10, Episode 5 of the Talking Ball Y'all Podcast. Two great guests for you this evening. First, Javik Blake, the Biloxi Shuckers broadcaster. And then next, Jimmy Oliver, PRCC quarterback and MCC Sports Hall of Fame. I hope you enjoy. It feels good to buy local. Whether you're supporting your community's small businesses, family-owned restaurants, or Farm Bureau Insurance, the local agents at Farm Bureau Insurance are dedicated to always helping you protect what's important. Farm Bureau Insurance is headquartered right here in Mississippi with local agents in your community. If you're shopping for car, home, or life insurance in the Poppleville area, call Kate Amaker at 601-795-4585. Or if you're in the Picayune Carrier area, call Robert Hester, Lane Fazan, or me, Ross Gilbo, at 601-798-2861. And go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau Casualty, Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. If you're looking for a place for that much-needed pregame meal, a place to just take in the game, or a place to have your post-game celebration, visit Champion Sports Bistro. They are a family-oriented sports bistro located at 113 West Canal Street in downtown Picayune. With food and drink specials throughout the week, Champions is a great place to enjoy lunch or dinner. They are open Monday through Thursday, 11 to 10, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 1. Champion Sports Bistro is Picayune's Bistro for Champions. We're now excited to be joined by Javik Blake. He's the media relations and voice of the Biloxi Shuckers. Javik, thanks for taking time for the podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to, uh, to join the podcast. Well, we're excited to have you. We were just kind of going over your schedule. Y'all had an early game yesterday. So kind of give us a, a peek inside the booth. Uh, describe what your day was like yesterday and then how that would lead into the next ball game along with juggling the media relations role there with the Shuckers. Well, so yesterday was the weird one. You know, there's not many times you play a game at 11.05 in the morning. Um, yesterday was one of the six times this year we'll, we'll play an early game. And that's kind of like, you know, your afternoon start, but just move everything up a, a couple hours. You know, you stay late at the ballpark the night before. Um, you get home, try and get some amount of sleep um, and wake up, you know, get that caffeine in the system um, and, and get set to call the game. So, you know, we played on Monday night, uh, Tuesday night, sorry, we played on Tuesday night, um, a six o'clock start, you know, finish up the game um, at about, you know, 8, 8.30 with the pitch clock. Now, you know, games are taking around two hours and, and 30 minutes. The game ends at around 8.30. Uh, you know, you try and do as much stuff as you can before you leave the ballpark. Um, you know, I ended up getting home at around uh, 11 o'clock that night, you know, finish up game notes and everything you know you're in bed you wake up and uh, you're at the ballpark by 7 a.m the next morning uh, you finish up your prep get your pre-game interview and then uh by that point it's it's go time at uh at 11 o'clock wow so hurry up and then the other side of that is got look i'm an nfl fan and so you kind of look at it the thursday night game give you an awfully short week in front but then you get the payoff after the fact right Exactly. You know, yesterday I got home, it's, it's about five o'clock and, uh, 
you know, it's weird. There's not many times during the baseball season that, you know, we play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then have Monday off. You know, when it's not a Monday and it's 5 o'clock and you're home, it is a very, very weird feeling. So it almost feels like an off day. You know, you get to you get to get to bed a little bit early and then wake up the next day and, and get back into that routine of, of having that 635 game where, you know, we're in the office at 10 o'clock. We have, you know, our front office game day meeting. Um, you know, you're doing the media relations stuff, all the game notes and, and that stuff. Um, before the players get here, BP starts around two. Um, and then, you know, you do your game day, you know, sort of your normal game day routine on the broadcast side of things from there. You know, hang out with the guys during BP, get some get some good nuggets, um, you know, talk to the guys and stuff, get a pregame interview, and then uh, do pregame and, and roll into first pitch. Javik, last year at this time I was visiting with Garrett Green. I said prior to us going live, you know, it's neat for me as a broadcast nerd to kind of see the guys that are able to roll through this broadcast booth. I know uh, you're calling the hot prospects on the field, but give our listeners a bit of your background and how you've ended up in Biloxi and what your time's been like so far here with the Shuckers. Well, it's been fantastic um, with the Shuckers. You know, it's such a great front office from from top to bottom you know it all starts with with our gm hunter reed um our our assistant gm trevor mattifis and then just kind of trickles on down um out throughout the entire front office um you know previously to joining the shuckers uh, this is actually my first job in, in affiliated baseball i'm going to you know have jackson chorio and and tyler black two guys who are top prospects sure was the top prospect in baseball is is quite the start um to affiliate ball um but last year i was in the northwoods league which is a summer collegiate league um up in wisconsin uh, we we're actually owned by the wisconsin timber rattlers who are the high a affiliates of 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 the shuckers which which made things really cool um but was there last summer you know we had a lot of good guys from Ole miss um you know camp alderman was on that team who's you know become a star now um, at, at Ole Miss, especially after you won that national title last sure. year. Um, you know, a team that was just up and downloaded um, with guys who were going to get their name called in the draft. Um, and then two years, uh, the two years before that, um, I was with the uh, High Point Rockers, which is an independent league team um, in the Atlantic League. You know, there we actually had a former Shucker, Preston Ganey, who played in Biloxi um, back in back in 2016. And then, uh, obviously, two years before that, um, I was with the Wareham Gateman, of of the Cape Cod Baseball League, so it's been it's been quite the journey. Um, you know, I've always I've always worked in baseball, you know, relations and broadcast side of it. Now to do it um, in affiliated ball, you know, that's that's every broadcaster's dream to you know make it to minor league baseball and then move up the ladder um, from there. But just to be in in Double A as someone who graduated college in January um, is is quite incredible. Um, and it's you know, Biloxi is such a special place. You know, the organization, uh, the Brewers is fantastic. Our front office is incredible, um, and, and our coaching staff and, and roster is fantastic. So it's it's been it's been a blast. It's been it's been so much fun. Yeah, sounds like man that you're truly on the uh, fast path. And uh, let's let's look at the the young man that you're getting to call his games daily and arguably the top prospect in all of baseball. So give our listeners kind of, if they haven't seen or heard, give us a, a, a good summary of what you're getting to look at each and every day there with the Shuckers with this hot prospect. Man, Jackson Shurio, he just makes everything look easy. 
mean, there were balls in the gap that nobody's supposed to get to, and it makes it look like a routine fly ball, which is impressive for any outfielder, but especially for a kid who, when he signed with the Brewers, was originally a shortstop out of Venezuela and, and has then converted to become just a plus defender um, in the outfield at the plate. He's something special, you know. You look at the numbers, and, and they're good numbers for anybody, much less someone who just turned 19 years old about a month ago. Um, you know, he's still a teenager, still a young kid, and, and that's what makes it so special is he's a guy who is so good already for 19 years old and he's just 19 years old you know he's out here uh competing against pitchers who are 22 23 you know some even 25 26 year olds on the mound and and he's not only holding his own he's doing a great job you know he's working walks well um he's seeing pitches well he's really heated up here recently um you know, comes into when we're recording this podcast, having hits in uh, I believe it's seven of his last eight games. Uh, but the bats, the bats heating up as the weather's heating up, and and he's just such a fun guy to watch. You know, the speed's starting to show a little bit because he's now getting on base. Uh, with nobody in front of him. You know, that was sort of a thing early on. The Shuckers were getting on base so often. He'd get on, and there'd be two guys in front of him. Um, or he'd just hit a home run, and then he wouldn't need to steal any bases. But, you know, the speed's been out there. The club's been out there. The arm's been out there. Uh, the bat's been there. You know, he's showcasing every tool night in and night out. Um, and it's it's something special to watch because there are not many 19-year-olds in baseball history who, who are doing what he's doing. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm a Braves fan, and so to – to see his game and then to watch Acuna every night on, on that big stage. I mean, just seeing the highlights and, and listening to some of your uh, broadcast calls, there's some similarities there, right? Well, I think the funniest part is, is is we played a game and he came out like dressed like Ronald Acuna Jr. He had the bright yellow cleats, he had the bright yellow arm sleeve. <laughs> like he was he was full clad. He walked out of the dug and I'm like, whoa, this is this is Ronald Acuna Jr. Jr. Um, but no, he's he's such a special guy. And, you know, you think of the star power that Ronald Acuna Jr. has and and just the joy he plays the game with, and that's what Churio is. You know, Churio plays with that that same amount of joy. You know, he's talked about uh, modeling his game a bit after Julio Rodriguez and. Hmm. Julio's been a blast to watch. Sure. That's the same way. There's so much enthusiasm and passion that Jackson plays with on a night-in and night-out basis. And Again, he's doing it all at 19 years old. The kid was born in 2004. <laughs> You're a young man, man, but that, that's got to even make a, a young man like yourself check uh, the birth certificate. That's pretty, uh, pretty gaudy stuff. And so... Even on the fast track, I mean, how quickly, as speculation, how quickly could this young man find himself in a Brewers jersey? I mean, he's sitting like 400 in his last <laughs> seven games. If that keeps up, probably won't be too, too long. Um, but, you know, the Brewers, you know, I think they're not being cautious then, but, you know, I think they're, they're wanting him to, you know, get the at-bats at the double-A level. You know, he's played um, only about 20 or so games at double-A. So, you know, they're, they're, you know, that's something that, um, you know, he's likely going to play probably about 75, 80 games. And if he's hit the well, obviously um, be a bit triple-A. But, you know, for him, the sky's the limit. Now, this is the guy that you watch night in and night out. Now, that's a future MVP out, out in center field for the Shuckers. Um, you know, that's a guy who who's just so special. And, you know, I think the Brewers, you know, they have the top prospect in their system, and not only that, the top prospect in baseball. And, you know, they, 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 know, they know that. You know, we all, we all know that watching night in and night out, how special he is. So I think the Brewers are going to do everything possible so that when he gets to Milwaukee, you know, he's a star from day one. And, you know, I have no doubt about it, whether, you know, it's this year, next year, 
um, or, or even 2025. You know, he will be something really, really special. And you make it to the bigs at, at 20 years old, if it's next year or 19 this year, um, that's an incredible accomplishment. You know, this is just his really second full season of, of minor league baseball. So, you know, whenever he makes it up to the bigs, um, he's going to be something special. And, and the Brewers, you know, have done a great job with, with developing him into the player he is now because he's, he's a five-tool guy and, and then some out in the field. When you look at that kind of excitement, that kind of attention paid to a player like that, let's talk about the surrounding uh, pieces for the Shucker. It's got to be a boost of enthusiasm. Shuckers are off to a good start. So kind of tell us about the rest of that Shuckers club and, and the start that they've gotten off to. Yeah, I mean, it's not only Jackson Shuri, you look at this lineup, and it's all guys who will likely be future big leaguers. You know, Jefferson Caro behind the place, the fifth-ranked guy in the system by MLB Pipeline. He's been a blast to watch. He's another young kid. Um, and Tyler Black, the bat is just so good on him. He's, he's the seventh-ranked overall prospect um, in the system by, by Pipeline. But he's a guy who's got a real fun story. His dad used to be on the Blue Jays broadcast team, um, and, and he grew up in Toronto, you know, grew up a big Blue Jays fan with his dad working for the team. Um, so, you know, he's a guy who's been around a lot of big league baseball um, in his life for a kid who only got drafted a couple years ago. Um, but his bat is, is really something special. He's got a lot of whipping action um, into it, you know, as a real whippy and, and good swing path to it. Um, and when he makes contact, you know, he crushes the ball. Currently tied for the league lead in homers, um, is able to put the ball really anywhere around the yard. He's already got six stolen bases. Um, and those all came in the first, you know, five or six games. Um, and not only that does he hit well, but his eye is something that really stands out on this Shuckers team through the lineup one through nine. You know, this is the team that sees a lot of pitches. And they see a lot of pitches and stare at ones that most guys would normally swing at, even if they're about a ball or two out of the zone. But this is a team that has some gutsy takes, and, and it's turning out really well. as a team with a high OBP. Tyler Plack's got a really high OBP. Lamar Sparks, too. He's a fun guy in Indy Ball signing last year um, out of the Pioneer League. So, you know, this is a team that, that does a great job at taking the ball um, and, and just taking pitches. You know, Carlos Rodriguez is another guy um, who's really heated up here recently with the bat. But, you know, the high OBP is something you'll find up and down this team. You know, the old line for money ball. What do we like about hmm. him? He gets on base. And that's really, you know, what is it, 13, 15 hitters on this roster, and they all are extremely good at getting on base, which is, which is incredibly important. Yeah, and if you're looking to get to the bigs with the recent changes with the clock, putting a little more pressure on the pitchers, and then the base changes as well. We've seen the stolen bases already go way up in Major League Baseball. So if you can get to first and then maybe swipe uh, second or third, that's a, a big deal just being over there with that free pass. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, it, it's funny. Even the, the guy who hits cleanup, Xavier Warren, has got himself, I think, four or five stolen bases at this point. So, you know, it's a team that, that one through nine, um, you know, really does a good job stealing bases. But on the pitching side of things, um, there, there are a couple guys there who will be big leaguers very, very soon, especially guys who pitch the ninth inning out in Green Bay. He's a guy who throws 102 miles an hour. Uh, wow. He's reached up to 103 this year, <laughs> and it's not even his best pitch. Wow. He's got a slider that comes in at 90. Um, oh, that man. just has incredible break to it. You know, I was talking to our pitching coach, Will Shearholtz. He was like, yeah, that's 103 is incredible, but 
you know, it's hard to believe, but that's probably not even his best pitch. You know, his slider is that good. And you think about being able to pair 102, 103 with a 90-mile-per-hour slider that can bite back into the zone, and you can, you know, backdoor it into left-handed batters or, or even front door that into right-handed bats. And that opens up just so many opportunities for Uribe to be a star, and he struck out over 50% of the batters he's faced this year. Yeah, Jamie, it's unbelievable when you look at the arms and – I was having a, a conversation with a good friend of mine who calls a lot of Division I uh, baseball. Just this morning, we were talking about the overlays on some of these pitches that you see from the Pitching Ninjas uh, Twitter account, and then you describe that. I mean, that is just a mouthful, 102, 103, and then that may be his, his second best pitch. On a night-in and night-out basis, is it amaze you that any of these guys can hit at all with the stuff they see? Right now with Uribe, the answer to that is, is no, and it's so much fun to watch. You know, he's a young kid, and just like Furio, he's got a smile flashing on his face all the time until he gets in on the mound, and then it's just bulldog mode, strikes you out, big fist pumps and everything, you know. And I think that's a fun thing with this team. You know, it's it's the youngest team in, in AA on the hitting side of things, um, and one of the younger ones on the pitching side of things. So the average age of the lineup is just 22 uh, and a half years old and you know the amount of passion and energy these guys play with is is just so much fun to watch um you know because they're they're a young team but it's it's a hungry team and it's it's a team that is extremely talented uh, at just 22 and a half years old so you know to see that on the mound and and to see the smiles and, and the amount of enthusiasm and energy that these guys play with is is a joy to watch night in and night out and you know getting 138 games of that is, is going to be something special how has the community there on the Gulf Coast and Biloxi responded uh, to the good start to this fun team to watch? I believe they'll be in a home stretch now and, and through the weekend with the Mississippi Braves. Tell us how the, the ticket sales and how the support um, there in Biloxi have been for the Shucker so far in this 2023 year. And, you know, the support's been fantastic. Um, it, it's such a fun baseball community here in Velocity, and there's so many just fun people that you see out at the ballpark night in and night out. Um, you know, our, our Shuck Nation members, um, uh, you know, that's that's our um, season ticket membership, you know, not, not season ticket holders, but uh, our Shuck Nation members um, that we, we have out at the ballpark every single night. You know, there there's so many great people that, that really love the Shuckers, and that makes things um so much fun and you know it's it's always a, it's always a fun time at, at mgm park our our promotion staff and, and front office put together an incredible um promotional schedule for for this year that that makes it fun you know whatever night you come out to the ballpark not only will you be seeing good baseball the pitching staff you know the starting pitching staff's incredible a couple guys who might be big leaguers um in in maybe just a couple months time um or, or at least by next year um but not only that you have you know the fun nights that that we have um with fireworks and, and giveaways um and we're doing you know a special shot cancer nights um on on Saturday, April 29th, with the Jersey auction um, as well. You know, there's there's fun for everybody at the ballpark, which is what I love about minor league baseball. You know, there's there's so much that goes into it to see all that hard work pay off that that the front office has put into and that that we've all put into. Whether you know it's on the promotion side, the ticketing side, the media relations side, to see it all come together is is really something special. Javid, we've mentioned the rule changes in Major League Baseball. You know, they use the minor leagues as some uh, kind of a test ground or experiment group. Anything being experimented with right now that you see on a day-in and day-in uh, basis that could potentially move up to the Major Leagues as far as rules in the game? 
so everything in minor league baseball is is the same as major league baseball as far as the pitch clock it's a little bit shorter here in minor league baseball it's 14 with nobody on and 18 seconds with with the runner on um but outside of that everything else is pretty much exactly the same um as major league baseball one of the things they are trying out this year is pre-tacked baseballs which is something really common in in asian baseball um in in korea and the kbo um, the ctbl in in taiwan and the mpb in japan is is the pre-tacked baseballs instead of the the mudded up baseballs um and last week which is you know the series against rocket city the shankers had they struck out 79 batters. i think the pitchers are enjoying the the, 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 the kind of baseballs they got um but you know that that's really the only thing um you know they'll they'll play that with uh, i think about half the season but um you know the big thing with with the baseball and with you know the it's made the game a lot of fun um and you know the pitchers are, are really throwing great on the mound and you know i don't think it matters what baseball you, you gave our pitchers you know they were striking out everybody um but you know they, they do such a great job um and i think the rules are, are, are a great change to the game um you know i think it's it's really made it a lot of action based and i know the fans um have really responded well to it you know the game times i think our average uh, with the shuckers is like two hours and 25 minutes which is ridiculous um but you know i i think it's made the game a lot of fun you know there's a lot of action a lot of throwing bases um the pitching staff's been terrific you know it always helps when you have a real good team um, and that's what that's what we have here um in biloxi but you know the rule changes have been have been a welcome welcome addition you know it's the first time i've ever seen a pitch clock in use it was in use last year and everything but being my first time in affiliated ball um this is the first time i've really seen these rule changes in action and it, it makes for a fun and exciting game i'm going to be honest it's uh it's a blast to watch yeah, I really thought I was a purist until the rule changes have been a, a pleasure to me, honestly, to watch. So now I'm kind of wondering, was I uh, truly a purist? But I, I think it's played out uh, really well. I, I would love to get my hands on one of these uh, pre-tags. You saw the experiment maybe online or watched it live as, as David Cohn. I guess it was last week on Sunday Night Baseball after uh, the Scherzer uh, controversy, if you will. But kind of did the rosin and the alcohol uh, experience there in the booth where we could see exactly how tacky that made his finger. So that's pretty interesting uh, with the pre-tack baseball. Yeah, honestly, I don't know if I've touched a game ball. And if I have, I don't feel any difference. So, you know, I can't I can't feel anything on, on my end of, of seeing what the baseballs look like, whether you know, they're pre-tacked or not. You know, everything, every ball that I've, I've seen feels pretty much the same. Um, so, but obviously I'm not a pitcher. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it's, it's too much of a difference. Um, and, you know, obviously the pitching staff's been great. So, you know, that's, that's always fun to watch. Neat. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Javik, we appreciate what you're doing there with the Shuckers, and I look forward to getting out and watching them. That's a, As you've mentioned a couple times already in this interview, that's a really fun, uh, we're, we're a family of four. Uh, everybody's got something that they can enjoy at the Shuckers, and so get down and, and check them out, and thank you for your time, man. Well, hey, thank you so much. Yeah, you know, bring a family of four. You, know, you can watch the great baseball. The kids can run around. You know, we got the fun zone out uh, out in right field. They can go have a good time. You can watch some good baseball. And uh, everyone can have a great night at the ballpark. Absolutely. Thank you again. Well, hey, thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate it. Thank you, David. Johnson Farms and Meat Market. Where can you find a full-service butcher shop that carries only the finest beef? From Mississippi farm-raised corn-fed cattle? Why, that would be Johnson Farms and Meat Market in Picayune. 
Shop at johnsonfarms.com or stop in at the corner of Highway 11 and North Hall in Picayune. Johnson Farms and Meat Market, where quality beef begins. Making decisions on when and where to further your education is a big step in life. So let Pearl River Community College be the destination for you. Pearl River offers the first two years of any major and over 42 career and technical programs. They have three locations to better serve your educational needs. The Hancock Center at 454 Highway 90 Suite D in Waveland. The Forest County Center at 5448 Highway 49 South in Hattiesburg. And the main campus located at 101 Highway 11 North in Poplarville. Pearl River Community College. Roll River Roll. We are now excited to be joined by jason baker and jimmy oliver and that's a special combo in my life and i think we'll get um some special time here with these two gentlemen welcome on the show uh jimmy and then thanks for coming back on jason baker absolutely yes sir yes sir appreciate you jimmy we're getting to join and and visit with you after a special time man you were just inducted to the mississippi community college sports hall of fame just a week or so ago. Tell us what that meant to you and your family, Jimmy. Personally, um, this, this, this ceremony, this invite, this introduction, um, it was great, man. You know, when you play the game, play any game of sports, you know, there's, there's one place that, if it's not NFL, you know, you want to get to a place to where you'll be remembered and to have my name getting written down in such great accomplishment as this, man, I can't, I, I appreciate it, you know, to the to most. Um, don't take it for granted. And um, we're very excited about it. And then I'll turn the same type question to uh, Jason Baker. I'll ask it in a little bit of a different way. But, um, JB, I know you were traveling, but when you were able to get back to to sell signal and, and a picture pops up of Jimmy Oliver and Coach Hatton embracing and, and sharing, you know, kind of that moment together. What were some thoughts or some memories that uh, flashed before you as you were on every call for Jimmy Oliver's great career there at Pearl River Community College? Oh, man, Clay, it, it took me back, really, man. It took me back to special times at Pearl River Community College and you know, Hatton was, was just such a character. I mean, he's one of the coolest coaches I've ever worked alongside of and calling games. And then, you know, East Marion kids were, were special to you and I, Clay, because we were there calling uh, those games on Friday nights for the Marion County Game of the Week. And we just always kind of knew there was something special about Jimmy. And so to see him honored and sort of in a way now where social media really puts everything out there, this was Jimmy, at his time as a Wildcat, was ahead of the social media curve. And um, I used to say, man, if, if we could have just had that Netflix series for the Pearl River Wildcats, we'd probably all be millionaires right now. <laughs> and what they did. And so, yeah, man, it's just really it's really neat now to come full circle and to watch Jimmy get this this honor and these awards and deservedly so. And. I mean, look, I've, I've said it then, I'll say it again. He's the greatest player that's ever played in that league, and I'll stand on that till the day I die because nobody else has shown me any other any other stats or anything else that, that tells me there was a more dominant player 
in the Mississippi Junior College system than the man we're on the phone with and Jimmy Oliver. Yeah, to speak to that, he was twice the offensive player of the country. <laughs> I mean, wow, just incredible uh, stuff. So you got your flowers while you were there, Jimmy, and then kind of another go around. And I think Coach Hatton, in hindsight, now being appreciated probably like he should have been at the time, you know, he's going into the Pearl River Community College um, Hall of Fame. And, and then um, certainly when your name gets brought back up, his does too. But a guy that I want to speak to, and, and Jason, like we've worked so many of these together, normally does. He beat me to the punch a bit. But Coach Peters over at East Marion and, and what he's meant to you, what he's meant to, to your family, Jimmy, what he's meant to the East Marion community there. It's, uh, when, when you mentioned the great Leslie Peter, uh, <clears throat> I first had to um, really high introduce the coach Peter. Um, one of a kind, man, you know, you, you're not going to find two coaches that, you know, really there for you on all occasions. You know, the first thing you speak on is, is, is this, you know, respect and, and just being a good person, you know. It don't matter what sports you play, you know, when you feel around um, school and, and <clears throat> um, being to Eastman, um, you went to Eastman, graduated from Eastman, you know, it's, it's, it's only for my list of people, you know. Hmm. <clears throat> I think I speak highly, you know, I honor him, he's a amazing guy, um, you know, from a, a guy that, that a mom and dad and Everybody in the community, not only mom and dad, but all the aunties, cousins, you know. Um, that's, I mean, when, and when he, you know, you can tell when he first got here, you know, he, he, he earned that voice to where, you know, he just wants you um, to be respect, be respectful, and 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 be a good person to society. You know, you never don't want to lose any kid in, in no circumstance. You know, to to something foolish. You know, and for a guy like Coach Cruz, man, I take my hat off to you know, with all the honor and respect. You know. That's that's you know, that's that's one to remember. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, um, Jimmy. And the mark he's made on yourself, and then man, can when they say countless others through a community, sometimes that's a a cliche. But I think there are you know hundreds, if not uh, thousands, of kids from East Marion where they played for him or just interacted with him in their day-to-day -day school lives that would uh, echo exactly what you're saying. I'm going to switch gears uh, with you both a little bit here and go back to your playing days at Pearl River Community College, the gaudy numbers uh, that that offense directed by you were able to put up. The name that, that's going to jump out as a weapon would be Larry Brackens. He's a guy that you just don't see this, right? Goes straight from community college and is drafted in the NFL. Right. But 
I think his story, you know, is probably out there and that name is probably out there. But with you two guys, I wanted to kind of talk about the other weapons in your two years there. You know, memory serves me right. Brackens was uh, only one year available for you, Jimmy. But man, you had some other guys around you that that made some plays. Let's kind of look at your two years there and the offensive weapons that uh, you and Coach Hatton had to play with. Yes, sir. Um, you know, Bracken was 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 you know one of you know you're not you're not gonna see too many come through too often. You know, a guy standing around by six five <laughs> with his, with his ability, speed. You know, great footwork. Um, he's one of a kind. But not only to mention, you know, everything that you know I was surrounded by during my time there. Um, not only to mention like James Hollinsworth, you know, it may may didn't sound like the next man up or, or that guy, but you know, a lot of people you know just forgot about who James Hollinsworth was um during his time at North Fort Worth. Then he, he transferred to <clears throat> um Hasbro High. Um but, you know, outstanding athlete. Um Tall, lanky, great hands, great, great speed. Um, he was another guy that was on the outside to where, and then you know he had other guys that was in the slot, um, like Josh Bourne, hmm. who played at Hattiesburg High. You mentioned um, footwork and your answer about Brackens. What footwork Mr. Barnes had when he would catch that little ball over the middle, man? He was fun, huh? Like I said, when, when it, it, it was it was real easy for me, you know, because when you get um, when you were able to make three, four yard passes, you know, little bubble screens, ton of little ton of screens, and, and guys like Josh and you know that was in the slot, you know, make plays, make make guys miss, and yards out the catch, you know, that's that's where all them yards came from, you know. Don't don't guys deserve as much of the credit that I do, you know. I had to get them to get them the ball, and um, when I got them, those guys the ball. They did their thing, as in the yards after the catch. You know, we had a couple deep plays, but majority of 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 those yards was coming from tunnel screen and little, little bubble screens. And like I said, the guys around that I had around, you know, especially I can't can't leave the defense out. Hmm. You know? I I can't leave the defense <laughs> out. You know, <laughs> just they made just a simple. You know, because when I say depend on them, I most certainly can depend on them. And it's not only just these A stop; they had shed out. Mm. You know, and <clears throat> to mention this, I say this today. I said back then, you know, and, and I forever take it with me. If you only if just played your freshmen and sophomores but that's all we was at, at that's all you are at prc community college you only just freshman sophomore um and we travel anywhere across the world and only you can just play your freshman sophomore i think there's nobody on this earth that we couldn't compete with or beat if you only just played your your, your freshman and sophomore you're doing oh four and during that 04 season, that 05, I think, oh, y'all 04 season, yeah. 
because we was loaded on all way around. You know, you know, it's 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 left on offense, left on defense, left on special team, and and when I say on all phases of the game of football, we dominated. We literally dominated. I'll say that then. Look, I think, and the great Mitch Deaver would be able to correct me if he was still still here. But when you look at it, Jimmy and Baker, correct me if I'm wrong, but in those classes, particularly that class that Jimmy's speaking to there, I believe there was 22 scholarships signed and a and a guy go in the NFL draft. Yeah, correct. I, I remember at one time. Matt Lott, who was the center for Jimmy in that 014, um, he wound up signing a scholarship to Baylor and going on to play at Baylor. And what was funny is, is I think I even remember talking with people uh, beforehand and like Matt wasn't ever going to wind up being the starter. He wound up becoming the starter and then all of a sudden worked his way into a major Division One scholarship and you know, I'll echo, Clay, what Jimmy just said, and I think you and I <clears throat> spent some times in those broadcasts saying just what Jimmy said. If you would let the freshmen and sophomores only play, true freshmen, true sophomores play, mm-hmm. what Jimmy's alluding to is at the Division One level, we would have played with those teams, and, you know, I'm – I'd go on record to tell you we would have some success, too. And, and, you know, that was what that team, that 2004 Wildcat team was just downright special, man. You had guys like Vance Richmond Hmm. playing on both sides of the ball. Josh Barnes' running ability after the catch was just incredible. And, you know, we've not even hit on Jimmy's ability to avoid pressure in the pocket. You know, I still to this day never ever seen something that I witnessed while Jimmy was playing quarterback at the GCO system, which was I've never seen another defense ever not want to rush the passer. But in that loss against Gulf Coast <laughs> that was so magical where we had no running backs in the second half and Jimmy was in empty the entire time. And you know, in the fourth quarter, Gulf Coast said, Hey man, we're we're no longer willing to chase you around. So their defensive linemen would literally take one step and stand up. And, you know, I've been around this game a long time, and, and Jimmy has too, and, and and you have as well, Clay. And at any level, I've never, ever seen anything like that and probably never will, to be honest with you. And, I mean, they literally got so tired of chasing Jimmy around and they couldn't get to him that they thought it was better defense to just stand still and just say, look, go ahead and beat us with your arm and, you know, that was on a night where we started off down 21 to nothing. And if that hadn't occurred on a couple of block punts for touchdowns, you know, we probably win that football game. And, you know, it's, I, I've said it before, it's one of my greatest memories that I've ever had calling a game that we, and we got beat. And Jimmy threw for six touchdowns and 608 yards that night. And I'll, I'll never forget what it looked like. Um, that was in 2005, and, and just watching them basically wave a white flag and saying, nah, man, we're good. We're tired of chasing your butt around. We're just going to stand here. It was just absolutely incredible play. It really was. Jimmy, I'll – and, man, just hearing you describe it, um, Jimmy, I'll go back to it. It's weird. You go 20-1, and one, 
and boy, there's a ton of good memories. I can remember you zigzagging across the field and scoring a touchdown against Jones. I can see it like it was yesterday, and I can't remember what I've got to do 10 minutes from now at work here. Some of, some of those just memories are etched. But boy, that Gulf Coast, you know, that's um, a night or, or a year prior to Jason and I are standing in the open air. Katrina had ruined their uh, press box. What did we have, y'all? We had an injury to our long snap or something in our punt game, and I know Jason alluded to it there, but it it truly put put us behind an eight ball against a really. I think this gets lost in that story. That Gulf Coast defense was full of some dogs too. They were they were really good, and the Wildcats went nuts in the second half. Jimmy in particular, and. Just kind of what are your memories from that night, uh, Mr. Oliver? All I can remember is, is, is going into halftime. We was down like 34 to, to 6, you know. And I walked in, you know, I had a smile on my face. I'm like, yeah, okay, let's go. This this where we see what we made of right here, you know. So talking talk to the guys, you know, trying to pick them up, you know. Hey, we still here. We got all those that had to play. So, you know. Um, coach came in and, and you know, he was kinda kinda ticked off or whatever whatnot. Um and and he told he told he's very upset with defense. So when he gets hot, you know, he he, he, he goes off and he, he don't say they what's on his mind. <laughs> so but, Coach um, Jones and them called it first then, huh? Right, right. <laughs> most definitely, most definitely. So then we come back, you know. He went to talking about defense, and then he said, "You know what, guys? You know he got on the running back. Said, yeah, be, um, uh, only way you get back in the game if you line up and receive." From that point on, we came out of second half. What I say, we went five wide every down, every down, and I finished for uh, um, I threw the ball like sixty times and. Um, with the defense, you know, like y'all um, saying that, stop rushing. You know, they was only sending three, and the three wasn't even rushing. They was literally <laughs> dropping eight people. Yeah. And, and so, you know, still that moment, you know, of still having a success like we did in the second half, um, it, it's like, it, it's, you can't really just pitch it because, like, like you said, Gulf Coast had some dogs. Mm-hmm. They had some dogs. But that moment when, when they saw that we went to striking and 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 how we started fighting back and coming back and they really started to drop back and try to find a way to figure out how to stop us. Uh, you know, that was a great game. Um I finished out with like six hundred some yards passing, um, six or seven touchdowns. And I had like a hundred some yards um rush. Yeah, you know. you did. That that was a game that, you know, with the only loss, that, that even came up in um my little bio in my bio on the ceremony um uh, on Tuesday for the induction of the Hall of Fame. Um that came up and that, you know, and when I hear it myself, you know, I'm like, Wow. Yeah, I mean, it snapped a 23-game win streak that night is what Gulf Coast did. I mean, it was 
Yeah, I mean, it was something. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, too, Jimmy, I don't believe we huddled the entire game. And in, in after halftime, no running back, unless they played receiver, ever stepped on the field. It was a complete empty set for every single snap of the second half. No, that, that's right, Bacon. When you look at it, now when you see what offenses – uh, do some of our listeners may be thinking, boy, five wide, you know, four wide, you know, one long back. There just weren't, and y'all can correct me, but we're talking 04, 05. How ahead of his time and what he implemented and the way that he ran his offense was Coach Hatton. I mean, this is all over the place now, but Coach Hatton was probably about 20 years ahead of his time, particularly in our state and in that league. Oh, no doubt. I mean, it, it, I, I think he and Jimmy, and, and I've said this before, and, and I'll say it again, He's, I think Jimmy Oliver and Tim Hatton raised the level of play in the Mississippi Junior College system to a, to, to present day. It's, it's still reaping those impacts. I mean, Coach Hatton was going and getting all this talent out of Florida, and, and there were Florida kids in the league before Tim Hatton, but not like what he was assembling. And then the way he schemed that offense, he he was a true offensive guru. And uh, man, I mean, he he was so far ahead of his time at that point, Clay. And look, you know, he had some Division One schools kind of hit several times trying to get him out of Pearl River to maybe come be a quarterbacks coach or an offensive coordinator. And um, you know, he, he stayed loyal to the Wildcats and wanted to stay there and be the head coach. He was having so much fun. But, yeah, man, he was so far ahead of his time that what you begin to see were so many other programs behind us begin to change the way their offensive philosophy looked because they said, man, if you can't beat them, join them. And that, that was truly what happened in that league. Correct. Correct. Jimmy, I wanted to ask you, man, uh, you had the red shirt coming out of high school to do what we've done here at PRCC, you fought what was, I mean, you were undersized. There, there's no way to, to put that, but it never slowed you down. That was obvious. I think that what you went on and did at Jackson State helped validate everything you did at PRCC. Do you feel that way? You went up to Jackson State and put numbers on the board. You were a leader. You were able to... to play for a championship talk about your time at jackson state and i look me and you had no bigger fans than me and jason baker because we had told the whole world hey this is beyond a division one football player and then i know that uh, for me and jason we were so proud amongst others with the way you went and carried yourself at jackson state yes sir. um you know coming out of, of, of prc with the numbers that i had you know Unfortunately, you know, I don't, I don't see how, you know, um, other schools missed it. But coming out of of of, of PRC being two time JUCO player of the year with the numbers that I had, you know, if I'm a coach on on the collegiate level, the college level, D one, there's no way, you know, I just overlook, you know. I just overlooked the situation um, because of, I guess, the appearance, you know, which, you know, I wasn't the biggest, 
I just know that coaching is for me, and and that's my way of getting there. You know, to 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 the NFL. You know, that's gonna be my way to get to where I'm supposed to be in in life. That's awesome, Jimmy. And look, I promise you, you had a, a class switch over at 923, uh, and I'm past that. So, Jimmy, Jason, and I, man, certainly appreciate you with the memories you've given us, man, and go impact lives like Coach Peters has done in that same uh, community. And, JB, if you'll let Jimmy off the line and you'll stay on, we can continue to, uh, to talk about Jimmy. But, uh, Jimmy, thank you for your time, man. Um, I have I, I I have switched over with my class, so they already out here now, and so we can I mean we can continue this, you know, if y'all would like. I'm here I'm here now. Yeah, let's keep going, and uh, Jimmy, we'll air it out. Uh, JB, some um some particular. I know we talked about the Mississippi uh the Perk game in that game. Let's go back to the championship game that uh. The trip out to Kansas, that that windy, uh, windy day where it was truly a, a dominant win by this Pearl River Community College team. What stands out about uh, that particular uh, ball game and and the way that the Wildcats were able to win? Boy, uh, it's it's surreal, really, a national championship. And then we'll touch on. I don't want to bring up a sore subject, but I certainly feel like we were robbed the. The next year, but let's camp out on a good memory and what was a national championship. Yeah, it, it, you know, Clay, I guess you go up there and you're facing a school in Butler Community College who, who had a highly touted quarterback and a guy by the name of Zach Taylor, who happens to be the Cincinnati Bengals head coach right now. And, you know, he was an All American, he was, you know, committed to Nebraska going to go on and play his collegiate career there and so of course you know in your mind you're thinking man how how good are they going to be and I can remember making the trip up to Kansas and all I could think about in my mind was man there's just no way they have somebody better than Jimmy and LB and I, I thought to myself if they do we're going to tip our caps and we're going to take our butt with it and go home but I remember talking with Hatton I think the day before the championship game, and this is a true story. I, I remember showing up to practice, and of course, no one's ever accused Tim Hatton of being too serious. <laughs> and, and we show up to practice, and Jimmy and Brackens and several of the guys are throwing the football just around the sideline and very loose. And I even think they were even like pegging each other with the football. And I remember turning to Tim and asking him, like, man, like, Y'all are awfully loose. And he just looked at me nonchalantly as he could always do and as smart elegant as he could <laughs> possibly be. And he said, did you not forget who we brought up here? And I said, no, you're right. And he said, man, he said, I'd play anybody. <laughs> oh, Tim, I sure would too. And I remember early in the games, you know, it was like two fighters kind of feeling each other out. And then I think they got into some coverages that really lent us to be able to get the ball to LB down the sideline. And I think it just clicked at that moment that, hey, man, we're, we still got Jimmy Oliver. We still got Larry Brackens. And we still had that defense on the other side of the ball. And, and frankly, we were just better than them at every facet of the game. And, and that's no disrespect to Butler, but it's just the truth. 
And Zach Taylor, while he's gone on to have a great career at Nebraska and certainly a great career as an NFL coach, you know, coaching in a couple and coaching in a Super Bowl, the, the truth of the matter is the better quarterback on that field that day was Jimmy Oliver. And and we had players galore and I can still have the image in my mind of L B at the time <laughs> was committed to Florida State and he makes the catch in that end zone. <laughs> And in the late Bobby Bowden, the former longtime head coach of Florida State, and his defensive coordinator Mickey Andrews were standing in the corner, and I remember making the call, and Brackens makes this touchdown catch, and he turns around and he gives them a high five and a pat on the butt, and tells them he'll see him later. And that's how loose we were in a national title game, and and frankly, Clay, I, I think we played that way because. I think Jimmy and Brackens and LeVance and Glentrell Ware and Gene Coleman and, you know, James Hollingsworth and Josh Barn. I, I think as much like Tim Hatton knew who we brought up there, I think those guys had the belief that we were just better than them, man. And, and it showed that day. Yeah, I certainly agree with that assessment. I remember uh, guys – getting out there and it's so windy, you know, and we we certainly throw the ball like we throw the ball. And I made a, a mention to, you know, Coach Hatton about about the wind and, you know, it was a, a turf surface. And like I said, we're dating all of us, but no four. Turf wasn't just a super a common playing surface like it is now. And I remember Coach Hatton digging his foot kind of through that turf and he said, yeah, it's windy. He said, but this turf sure looks fast. And I said, oh, here we go. And it, it, we looked, and not to take, like you've said, anything away from the opposing club, but we were two to three steps faster than they were all afternoon long. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, and, and you know, Clay, how many times did we – I wish I could have been paid for every time somebody said the line that, yeah, but they don't have Jimmy. I'd, I'd always say to themselves, yep, you, you, you know, you're right. They don't. And we do. And, you know, as much as we believed it then, even looking back on his career now, I'm just reminded of just how much. And I know Jimmy doesn't want all the glory because it was a team and, you know, no one singular football player wins a football game and his teammates certainly help. But, man, I, I know we spent Thursday night after Thursday night telling the folks who were listening in just how special he was. And now to look back on his career and be reminded of it, man, we were just so much different because number six was back there at quarterback and Jimmy Oliver. And, and I, I said it so many times, man, I'd have played anybody. If you just gave me Jimmy and Hatton, I'd have, I'd have let you let, take me anywhere and let's go play anybody. And that's that's those were such great memories and special times. And I know you alluded to Hurricane Katrina Robin in 2005, and you're right, Clay, because, you know, I think you'd have been talking about back-to-back -back national champs if we could have got that opportunity. I wanted to talk in my memory. And so, Jimmy, you tell me, hey, I wasn't on that team. That's a different memory. But Baker brought up uh, where in that answer. If my aunt, if if my memory serves me correct at a night over at uh, Hines, somehow he's in on offense. He catches a pitch and then does he pitch it back to you? What what am I remembering there about Glentrail potentially? I mean, for those not aware, he was a instinctive incredible 
linebacker for PRC. But am I way off there, guys, at where it snuck in on offense on one of these snaps? You, you, you're on point about it. Uh, Glenn Trailware, you know, as, as another one of those guys who I said was special, um, didn't just have the complete size, but for wise understanding the game of football and, and, and knowing where it's supposed to be, um, having that instinct, that, that dog in him. He was one, he was one of those guys, and he just, uh, um, one of those guys that, that just wanted to be in everything around everything and, and you know when we line up in scrum on short yardage um we might we bring him in and i think we bring gene <laughs> in as well you know, can you imagine guys. jimmy being a, a defender yeah. and them two guys coming to look for you to block you <laughs> oh man <laughs> and, and now one of them didn't didn't care about <laughs> what side was no. they was wrong and um so it was short yardage, and, and I think we was in some, one, I don't know, can't remember the, the formation was, but it was some type of strong formation. And I handed the ball out to the Slim Trail. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it. It was, it was in Hines. Yeah, it was at Hines. It was against Jones. I think it was at homecoming against Jones, and he handed it off, and then he got about seven yards, but he was going to be short of the first down, and I think – if I remember right, he turned around and just threw the ball <laughs> back to Jimmy, if I'm not Crazy mistaken. Thing. It was it, it was Hines or Johnson, but we was at home and um I remember we was on our sideline like yep. and and he was running he same <laughs> try to go up the middle, but then he bounced out. And he bounced out and um and so when he when he when he bounced out he, he get, I don't think he got too many yards. You know, he was just right there at the, at the um, line of scrimmage, and it was it was him, Gene, and Leverick. Yeah, back to that moment. And I remember when he, he they was getting ready to tackle him, and I was just behind him somehow. And his IQ was just it was just trying anything. You know, he pitched it back to me, <laughs> and so when I caught it, you know. I swept around the right outside, and um, George Leverett was in front of me then, I remember. And he made a, I'm talking about one hell of a block. And 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 I ran, I got the ball down, you know, yeah. got the first down and everything, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but yeah, that moment, like I said, Glenn Trail, man, you know, one of a kind, man. Jimmy, you, you remember, and Clay, I hate to interrupt, but I got to tell this story, people listening in, followed this team during this time will remember this play what about the thursday night at heinz we're in a tight ball game i think it's 28 21 heinz has the football fourth and inches glenn trails <sighs> on defense and it's fourth and inches and what <laughs> happened was they were going to try to draw us off sides so they go out heinz does they get under center and they do the run a play but they're not running a play no play and they're out barking their cadence and Glenn Trail is showing blitz like he's coming through the A-gap. And then Hines pops up and calls timeout. And, Clay, I know you'll remember it. Hmm. I can close my eyes yeah. and see it to the day. The defense gets called over by Coach Jones, but Glenn Trail never leaves the field by the football. He stands there. And Jones brings that defense over, and he's talking to the defense. And, of course, Hines is in their offensive huddle. Well, they decide they got to go for it. They're down seven, and they're driving. It's late in the game. 
and they come back out and evidently they never changed their cadence from when they went but <laughs> they ran with no play when they lined back up and Glenn Trail knew it and if y'all remember what ensued next was as they snapped the football he was completely off his feet hopping over the center and he hit that quarterback in the mouth he fell back fumbled the snap and I don't recall whether Glenn Trail recovered it or someone else recovered it but it's still to this day one of the more intelligent remarkable plays from a young man and that was him wasn't it Jimmy like he he was just oh, that player wasn't that, he that, 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 like I said he had that instinct he didn't have the side but when it comes to understanding having instinct for the game that's one you can call on um and like like Baker say, um, like Jason say, you know, fourth inches tight game, you know, and not only was they it was fourth inches, but I think they were right on the goal line. Yeah, they were. Uh, and 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 like I say, he he sat back for a moment when they came back out. He sat back for a moment, but somehow it's like I say, perfect timing. By the time they hiked the ball, he was literally over the top. Then jumped over the top, and like they say, he hit the guy right in his mouth. Perfect timing. And they also fumbled. I can't recall who 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 picked it up, but I know we stopped them. Yeah, uh, it was turnover on down. However, it happened. But yeah, it, that was one of one of the biggest plays of that game. Absolutely. We've talked about it a couple times, guys, already um, in this interview. But the looseness that. Um, we were able to play with at, at all times. And then the creativity, you know, high school football is one thing. Your best players are going to go uh, both ways. It really, I mean, Jason covered the league for a long time. I was right there in his hip pocket for a lot of it. We never really saw guys go both ways. But, you know, it was something a fan or, or Jason and I's broadcasters would think, man, can you imagine LB being back there at safety? Or we've mentioned Levant, some of these guys, some of these special athletes. And then Coach Hatton was never too buttoned up or too uptight to try it. You, the next week, hey, anything you kind of thought that would help the team or a real creative look, Coach Hatton, to his credit, would try it. And I can remember as we walk through these, but you just didn't see other coaches in that league using their best athletes uh, like that team did. Play, I, I'll share this. This is a really cool story. Jimmy doesn't know this. and It was several years after Jimmy had left. As a matter of fact, I think it was the, in 07, the year that he's winning the SWAC title with Jackson State. Hatton and I are down fishing with a good friend of ours, Dustin Bounds, and we're just talking about Jimmy and these players that that he, Tim had surrounded Jimmy Oliver with, and Dustin asked a question of Tim while we were fishing in just casual conversation. He said, "Coach, how how much fun would it have been if you could have got Larry Kendrick on the field while you had because they were only a year away. Mm. You could have had Larry Kendrick on the field along with Levance and Larry Brackens and Jimmy Oliver, and without hesitation." This man, Tim Hatton, as serious as a heart attack, looks dead at Dustin and says, man, we wouldn't even have practiced. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
He said, if you'd have gave me Larry Kendrick with Jimmy Oliver, he said, man, he's like, we'd have just let Jones practice defense. He's like, we wouldn't have practiced offense. He said, because that wouldn't have been fair to anybody else. I laughed. I mean, for an hour, I laughed. And, and the funny part was, you know, Tim was probably freaking serious about that. He probably wouldn't have practiced if he could have gave Jimmy Larry Kendrick and Larry Brackens and Josh Barnes. That just wouldn't have been fair. Wouldn't have been fair. Man, man, man. Guys, I can't thank y'all enough. This has been a, a, a kick to me. It's brought up a, a ton of awesome uh, memories. So, uh, Jimmy, we, I, I would say this, and Jason will be able to, of course, say it too, but we appreciate you, man, for all the joy that you gave us in coverage, and coverage. And to be able to walk back down it today has been special. So thank you for your time, uh, Jimmy. Jason, as always, man, I appreciate um Appreciate our friendship. Appreciate being able to to walk through these. We've done it with Jimmy. We've relived a bunch of these memories on road trips and different things. So it was cool to have Jimmy's perspective on it. And uh, this has been special for me, guys. I hope y'all enjoyed it as well. Most definitely, most definitely enjoyed it, man. Like I said, um, if I could do it all over again, you know, without a doubt, without a doubt, that would be my first first step. You know, just start right down there. And um, I wouldn't do anything different. <clears throat> um, but, yes, man, I mean, thank y'all for having me. Um, you know, it's, it, that's what this, you know, as as life goes on, you know, some things you just don't forget. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. And it's a moment, you know, that not only today, but as, as far as tomorrow, you know, you know, we'll always be able to go back and, and, and still just talk about those moments and those times there, my time there at PRC. You know, I don't have any kids right now, but, you know, hopefully one day, um, real soon, I'll, you know, be able to share this moment with them, you know. And um, like I said, appreciate you guys, man. And I appreciate y'all for, for – not only this moment to, to have this with y'all, but, you know, the time that y'all was there with me during the process, you know, and and being a fan as well, great support. I appreciate you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Jimmy. Yes, sir. As well, as well. Now, now I hear y'all speaking on this fishing and all this. Now, I told you <laughs> before, now. His first time hearing this now. <laughs> I love fishing. We know it, Jimmy. Hey, man, those are great times, my man. I, I, I say it often. Uh, you know, I, I I would do anything to do another two-year run covering you one more time. Uh, the money that we could generate watching watching you today with the way social media puts everything out there, man, it would it would be electric. Jimmy, those memories. Uh, will we'll stay with me till the day they put me into the ground, my man. And uh, again, congrats uh, on the Mississippi Junior College Hall of Fame. And, and certainly you've been inducted already into the Prover Community College Hall of Fame. Uh, we didn't need to wait this long for them to tell me you were a Hall of Famer, my man. You, you were a Hall of Famer to us. And uh, I've never had better Thursday nights than the ones we spent from 2004 uh, through 2005 covering you, my man. Jimmy, thank you for, thank you for your time. Yes, I appreciate it.